So yeah, well let let's see the timer. I'll go have a look at the. Yeah, I'm just going to start at ten ten. The bread timer. <laughs> yeah, you should. There should be a timer in the background that goes ding when it's on. Well, you know what? I can do that. Yeah, I think I it'd be funny. I can start it now. I'll start it. I'll start it uh, now. Okay, good. Yeah. I have not done it. So we're starting now. I have not done a pop-up in, what, over a year or something like that? I can't remember how long it's been. Uh, and Susan, Miguel, a couple other people said, why don't you start doing pop-ups so you don't have to keep having such a long space in between shows? I said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And Susan said, why don't we do the one first one with me? I think that's what she said. And Yeah, I said something like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, who, what? Get your hands up. Yeah, where you are, don't move. Don't reach for them guns. Take it easy, you galoots. Put away the hardware and relax. What's Greg? <laughs> interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. My God, I can use up a min- over a minute and a half of time just <laughs> running the intro of this 30 minutes. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thanks for talking to me this morning, Greg. I'm yeah. just really early here, so you're, you're catching me with my green tea and uh, yeah. <laughs> I just bought some green tea today. Uh, let's see. I wrote Susan Demeter pop-up 5421. Um, and I wrote about five questions because all we'll have time for is probably one or two. And uh, when we talked earlier, well, Susan Demeter is the uh, author most recently of Cosmic Witch, which you can get on Amazon and I don't know where else. Well, you can you can order it through a local bookshop. Oh, yeah, no problem. of course. Yeah, like if you can, look, order it through your local bookshop and uh, and they can order it in for you or the, directly from the publisher or Amazon if it's easier. Uh, I, you know, I appreciate it. Um, How's you know, the book but doing? I do, I do, yeah, I, I like to support the local bookshops and any, you know, any local business if you can, yeah. you know, especially in these times. You know, Definitely. If you can support your local bookshop, do it, do yeah. it, please. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> with any with any mock, just not my, you know. That's okay. You know how's saying. how's the book yeah. doing? Do you know? It seems to be really doing well in um, English. It's it's 
still uh, slow to start in Italian, but in part that's probably because I don't really speak Italian, but there's an <laughs> Italian version and I live in Italy. And because of pandemic, um, I haven't been able to really go out and, and promote it at the local bookshops. There's a beautiful occult shop here in um, in Bologna, which is very close to where I live. And there are occult shops in Florence and that. So hopefully when we can all start getting together again, I'll be able to go out and, and promote the Italian book a bit better. But it's doing okay, but not as good as as if, you know, there had been, you know, the situation we have in the world right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. So when I come visit every place I stop with as a bookstore, I'll buy your book. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. One of the, one of the things that's really delighted me is because my book, as far as being a witch book, like it can be used as a primer for people interested in paganism mm -hmm. and witches and, and the evolution of, of modern witchcraft. But at the same point, it's it's very unique in that I don't know of anyone else who's written a witch book from the perspectives of, of a UFO experiencer. Mm -hmm. And I am a UFO experiencer. And a large part of my book is um, autobiographical. And I include a lot of my UFO experiences. Right. And where my research has taken me that has um, sort of dovetailed between witches and, you know, anomalous lights and and ufo experience right uh, so yeah and then so what really delights me about this is that i have heard from other people um you know including our friend barbara fisher uh who have told me you know i've never really thought about it before but i've had these strange ufo like experiences and then you know very shortly thereafter i've dedicated myself to the moon the moon goddess mm -hmm. um you know or i followed a magical path you know, I became a magical thinker after the UFO experience. And I think that's just so beautiful and cool. And, and I just love it. And kind and, of normal. They, I mean, people's lives are changed like that. Yeah, yeah, they do. They really do. When you have an experience that's that shocking, um, that's totally out of what you would think is the normal consensus reality, then it tends to shift the way you think about reality itself. And there's that... I think for most people, there's that permanent shift that you start thinking, ah, oh, maybe we don't know everything, or it can really deeply affect you in your spirituality, mm -hmm. you know? By yeah. changing it, strengthening it in a way you didn't know, um, whatever, sometimes, uh, both a lot, a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I hear that from people. When I had Kevin Day on, like I think we've talked about this, I didn't, I didn't ask him what happened. I asked him how it affected him. Because that's, mm -hmm. to me, you're going to get a lot more clues about what's going on when you talk about how it affects somebody. So Yeah, ex exactly. And we've talked so about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So hence the book is Cosmic Witch, which is how I identify myself. Uh, it also discusses the idea of, because my path is, is, is very unique to myself, mm -hmm. I talk about uh, the importance of inner work and how our spirituality really is defined within ourselves. So... I, I talk a little bit about that while giving a history and, a, and huge props to Wicca, um, which, which truly inspires myself yeah. uh, and other witches. Um, but you don't necessarily have to follow that that structured path if you don't want to. Um, so my book is is about that. It's also about uh, there's some activism in there uh, in regards to uh, Mother Nature and what's going on in the world with climate change. And how I see this um, really rise in interest in nature-based spirituality, 
including witchcraft, you know, paganism uh, is, is also at a time when we really have to start taking climate change seriously. Um, this is something very important to me. And, and apparently it's also very important to, to the aliens because if you look at the history of the contact movements, uh, there's always a very strong environmental message um, with, the, with these, the good or the positive aliens. Uh, <laughs> you know, so whatever the they are, yeah. Space, the space brothers, space sisters, uh-huh. whatever they may be. I, I, I use the word alien in a very broad sense because I don't know if they're extraterrestrial. But I do feel that there is another component, something outside of ourselves that we are um, actively participating with. And often they bring these strong environmental messages. uh, And I see that that as well is, uh, especially right now, you see people, like I said, really getting involved in nature-based spirituality at the same time when our our Mother Earth really needs us to, to step up, you know? Right. So the book has the book has a lot of that as well in there. So you said there was an instigating circumstance that had to do with UFOs and uh, pushing you over into what wasn't known as Wicca then, but uh, that what is known as Wicca and witchcraft now. What was what was the instigating event for you? Uh, I think it, it's per, definitely talked about in the book, but it, um, maybe you could uh, elaborate on it. Yeah, for you personally. Yeah. Well, I would say it was an evolution. I mean, I really didn't feel comfortable coming out publicly and labeling myself as a witch until I had this really wonderful experience. Uh, and and it was a blessing to meet with uh, Dr. Adam Crabtree uh, of the Esalen Institute, but he has a practice in Toronto. And he is mentioned in uh, Dr. Jeff Kripal's book, Authors of Impossible. He's had a very interesting life and series of synchronicities Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the death of, of Bobby Kennedy, but anyways, I, I met with him, and I I always knew sort of that I was doing magical things, uh, but it wasn't really until I I spoke with him and uh, had this luncheon, and I was telling him some about the experimental work I was doing uh, that's UFO oriented, and he said to me, you know, five hundred years ago they'd be burning you at the stake. You're a witch, <laughs> and I thought. Well, you know, if he's so comfortable with this, um, then you know what? And this is this is like a hero of mine or somebody I admire anyway. Then you know what? It then fine. You know, I'm just going to come out and say, it. yeah, of course I'm a witch. I do magical things. My experiments are based in magic, and my spirituality very much follows the traditional uh, wheel of, of of the year, uh, the Wiccan stuff. So I I, I just kind of came out with it at that point. But I think that what really started all this was experiences I had in childhood with these little beings that at the time in my child's mind, I thought were ghosts, probably because I was watching a lot of Scooby-Doo. But <laughs> of course. <laughs> the ghosts. So, but they scared me, okay? And, and I talk about it in the book, and I talk about how as uh, later on in life, as as it is, well, as a young adult, I started thinking that you know maybe this this was more imaginal than anything to do with reality. And it was at age 23 when I had a UFO experience mm-hmm. that was with another witness that was quite large. I was quite awake, quite lucid, um, you know. And at that point, it really reoriented my thinking. 
And I started looking back at those childhood experiences, thinking maybe it's something more. So in the book, I talk about these experiences as a child and then later on as an adult, because I've had more than one UFO experience, one at very close range, as initiations. So these are initiations into magical thinking, cosmic thinking, uh, and, and, and they really... They really were guideposts within my life. Even at some of the most worst points in my life, there was a UFO. Um, so I, I talk about them as initiation experiences because initiations often are very painful. Right. Like there's a reason why even symbolically in, in the Masonic rites and that they use swords and such because there's a pain aspect to it. And these experiences have not been easy uh, and they, it certainly hasn't been easy living that, but at the same point, they have driven what I call my magic mm -hmm. and my interest. And I have always had that interest. Like as a young, as a teenager, I started studying astrology. Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested in astronomy. Um, I'm married to an astrophysicist. Yes. <laughs> so I'm very science oriented as well. But I, my, my spirituality is, is really driven by these experiences, my magical thinking, who I am as a person. Really, there's this strong UFO current. So how could I not be a cosmic witch? Yeah. You, <laughs> I think you talk a little bit in the book. You talked about uh, the, uh, your, your methods and the methods of Wicca and witchcraft as a sort of discipline and as a science in itself. Now, science doesn't, yes. so far, doesn't consider magic or, or parapsychology or anything like that as an object of science, generally. But I think that's changing. Do you, do you think there's, you know, there definitely are things that can be uh, carried over from magical thinking into scientific thinking because magical thinking used to be scientific thinking before we had something as, known as science. So well, exactly. they're starting to intermingle, and, and, I think. Do you agree and why and you know how? And Oh, of course I agree. And I do have a chapter uh, dedicated to the science that I feel how science actually um, can be informed by magic and how it's not incompatible as people uh, may think. And I quote various different science uh, scientists of the past. Right. I talk about a little bit about Jack Parsons. He's an obvious because of the UFO connections. Right. And, uh, and, and again... Uh, uh, Willem Reich, who, um, you know, with the Oregon, mm -hmm. with the Oregon energy and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So that groovy stuff there. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really think that because, and, and also with the nature based uh, spirituality, I mean, I, we're working with the elements. Okay. Yeah. This is part of the physical universe. All right. So we understand there's a physicality to this mm -hmm. as well as the imaginal and the inner side. There's also the entire outer world. And there's this beautiful, the, the water and the fire and the earth and the air. These are all have physical properties, you mm -hmm. know. Right. Um, so I don't see that, that there's that huge of a separation. And as you said, the uh, early um, scientists, uh, they were you know, they were alchemists, they were astrologers, all of these things were born of a magical thinking. And if you look at some of these amazing scientists that are out there today, there's, uh, you know, they all have a, a creative side. And, you know, and some of them, I'm sure are magical thinkers, you know. 
Yeah, well, some it's of them just, have. It's just underground. Yeah. It's, it's 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 like as as like in Diana Pasulka's book, American Cosmic. You got to be shh. You know, there's <laughs> the yeah. great taboo to it. Yeah. And and yeah. Well, the tide, maybe it needs, tide has yeah. turned a little bit, but it's not. It's fighting against what um, five, six hundred years of, um, or at least in the last maybe two or three hundred years, the development of science as we know it now, and it, it's kind of fighting yes. that. Um, and that's a hard thing to. It's a hard thing to fight, and it probably will have to do. You know, it's like that uh, Thomas Kuhn thing, where uh, either something that's just so obvious people can't deny it happens, or is discovered mm -hmm. or whatever, or the people that were pushing that old idea, that idea, die away. Um, yeah, those are and the, the only thing two, is, two revolutions that are, you know, or some incredible, you know, uh, discovery happens that nobody can. And this, yeah, and this is why I'm, I'm so excited about today's youth and and the younger generations is because I'm seeing a lot of magical thinking uh, in the way of um, shifting realities. Uh, you know, on the TikTok, the, uh, this is a movement where um, there, you know, younger people are using. Uh, magical techniques to shift realities. They're using they're using various mediums such as TikTok to do so. There's, that's an entire show on its own. Yeah. But there's also this strong environmental desire for many young people, and it's being you know um, Greta Thunberg, for instance, from Sweden, uh, has mm -hmm. really inspired a lot of young people to think about uh, you know the environment, and and that's a good thing. And I think that also is driving this this rise in interest in, in witchcraft and paganism, uh, which I see is a good thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, uh, there's an echo of this, or well, a very strong connection of this to the work of uh, Dr. Jack Hunter, who's trying mm -hmm. to reconcile these two things, these two yeah, worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he has, actually. It's just that nobody, you know, a lot of people haven't caught up to him yet. Well, and that's the thing. These ideas, people are catching up to these ideas, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, because they, they and, make sense to people, and the smartest people seem to be moving in that direction. I read something in Diana's book the other day. Mm -hmm. um, her friend James, who's the environmental—I mean, I'm sorry—is the uh, 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 biologist. His, mm -hmm. He said his test for people that are intelligent are, is if they'll talk about the UFO subject. They won't talk about it. He knows he has no time for them, and they're probably not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, talk about it seriously and ask serious questions about it. Because he's yeah, at the place where he knows, just like you're at the place where you know. So, yeah, you know, as, as I've been saying a little while for a while, it exists. What do we do about it? And it's very interesting to talk to you and other my you know other friends and people who have written books who are doing something about it, like you or Diana or or Jack Hunter or I think Jeff Ritzman was writing a book, but he was going down that that path as well and had been for quite a while. So, yeah, Jeff's book, Jeff's blog is still up online and hopefully it, it stays up there. It's called Luminal, um, what is it? it? It's the Numinous Den. Numinous Den, I'm sorry, yeah. The Numinous Den. And, uh, and yeah, just if you get a chance, go and have a read. He really had a, 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 a good handle on the pulse of all this uh, UFO and paranormal and the whole scenes behind it, whether it's the uh, parapsychological scene or the UFO scene. Uh, I really miss Jeff. I, I had some, I was fortunate to have some really good conversation with him and I felt like there was a kinship there. So here's yes. somebody who's gone out, they've experienced the phenomena. It's something that I'm going to be writing about in my second book, which is the experimentation I've done to provoke and invoke the phenomena. Yeah. Um, he's very, but he's I, very I, heavy on that. 
Yeah. And I will I will be quoting mm-hmm. um, from it's Jeff's blog. work because yeah. it was so precious and important. And uh, well, and my he heart had, does he did go have up a to book, his family. Yeah. He did have a book um, draft done. He said, and he was going to send it to me. So I hope that's mostly done. Um, Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I hope someone gets in touch with his family and 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 you know at the well, appropriate time and maybe I see. Hope so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Jeremy yeah. or. Jeremy Vaney or somebody knows uh, how, how, if that's going to happen. I think what, one of us should write him and see what's going on because a lot of stuff that he wrote about on the blog um, is in that book, plus other things that he'd done and other things and, and a lot of observations. And at least that's what he told me. Um, yeah. To me, well, the methods work. Yeah. Jeff's methods worked. Yeah. Um, they worked with me. Yeah. I, I've described it. Yeah. Actually, it worked to the point where I, I've. I had to leave the next day, but after four days of using his method, I did get something I consider a very, mm-hmm. very um, subtle, but it was a reaction. Um, yes. At least I, I, I considered it as one, even though it wasn't, you know, most people would have said, oh, well, you never know. It's like, okay, you weren't sitting there when I was there. So, um, which is another exactly. thing. I mean, these things, things are so personal. So you don't, what would you say about that? I mean, how do you describe something that's so personal and make it into something that's a subject of normal conversation. Because actually, if, you know, informally it is, actually. If you bring it up at a party, everybody's going to talk about it, about their well, own experience. Well, that's true. And, yeah. and the thing is, is as, um, you know, I, I, I really don't want to get into the current state of, of this disclosure movement and what's going on in this craziness in the United they States. They can make and, enough of their own energy. We don't need to help. Yeah. <laughs> but what? But one of the, the, the things that I think can be a benefit potentially is that people will be more open to sharing their experience and talking about it, that there won't be such a taboo. Right. And exactly. not only can that be very cathartic for people, but potentially then you know more more information that in my mind has been hidden will come out and that is the high strangeness factor Mm -hmm. that people even if they're comfortable enough to talk about ufos um they're not comfortable to talk about some of the stranger things that happen uh you know the real john keel type stuff uh, which which can sometimes be very you know, yeah. I hear in a majority of cases, at least um, one uh, MUFON guy I talked to, he says, if there's nothing, there's some, if there's not something extremely off and strange about the uh, experience that's reported to me, I start to doubt it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, usually I've found that if there isn't anything strange, it's fairly easy to, um, to use the, the more scientific methodology and say, okay, well, this is more likely the probability was that they've, they've misidentified something. Mm-hmm. And I was a UFO investigator for many, many years. That's right. Um, and yes, <laughs> on top of this. And I found that when there was something that was repeatable and it was, it was very simplistic, it was likely due to something, you know, mundane. that was, was, was mundane. But... But even within the mundane, sometimes very strange things can can pop out from that. So, I mean, it's it's a very complex topic. And yes, these experiences are very, very personal. Um, so what can come out of individual uh, experiences, I don't know. But I, I do still believe that a larger database could be put together mm-hmm. um, and maybe with uh, with developments in artificial intelligence, maybe that you know, the artificial intelligence could crunch these uh, 
patterns and numbers found within these varied experiences from around the world. Because you would need something like that. You'd need an AI because it's so personal and driven by our culture and our epoch. And, you know, it's very hard to look for one specific pattern, you know, that would, that works, you know, you need something where you can look at any pattern. And in fact, the kind of patterns that are just as weird as the experiences themselves. Exactly. Meaning this makes no sense whatsoever, but it seems to be present in a majority of this kind of case. I mean, I think if you get enough data in and enough data having to do with people's personal feelings, emotions and all that as described in a, Mm -hmm. a, like in a transcript, like if you transcribe Mm -hmm. what they said, this would all be searchable text. So exactly that kind of stuff. And it can, it would be easier to then look for potential symbolic content. Yeah. You know, yeah, just um, uh, I ta- know, throw I talk a mermaid in there and see what see what uh, what kind of stuff it attracts out of your massive database or <laughs> monkey or exactly. you know or or a microphone or something just uh, or e- yeah or even something very simple like the first UFO I talk about when I that was as an adult that I saw literally I didn't put it together when I first saw it but years later thinking back on it and how I drew it and and what I saw was a red octagon in shape that was pulsating well to me a red octagon is a stop sign Mm. you know and then when i looked yeah when i looked back at certain circumstances within my life at the time of the ufo experience there was a personal message in that to me Mm -hmm. i can see that now as a magical thinker yeah that it wasn't so obvious to me then yeah you know it's speaking it speaks in symbols it speaks in symbols, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. You know? We've got four minutes. You just wrote something, and uh, we were talking a little bit about it uh, the night before, and then you really fleshed it out, which was your um, blog post on Oumuamua and uh, Abby Loeb's book. And you just called it Oumuamua is an alien, you know, is an alien ship or something like that. And I, yeah. and the funny thing was you read it and you said, look, I'm using some bombast, but I really do want to talk about this seriously. And I thought it was a great argument about um, the UFO um, subject uh, in, in a very symbolic way. And also how that that uh, thing, whatever it was, whether it was just a dead piece of nothing or some intelligently controlled thing or some organic thing that lives like that or whatever, that the fact that it was there and the fact that it was anomalous made it a quote-unquote alien ship? Or am I taking you out of context? No, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. And it, it, it literally, if you look at the, um, at the experience surrounding it, the story mm-hmm. surrounding this mysterious celestial object, um, it, it repeats the same story of the UFO. You mm-hmm. have a scientist who has come out and said, wait a second, I've crunched some numbers here. This is a Harvard-trained scientist. He's a professor. Yeah. Avi Loeb is, you know, he knows his stuff. Yeah. And he's saying this is, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a really good possibility this is artificial. Right. Okay. Then you, you have these other people on this other side, his colleagues that are saying, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's a piece of nitrogen ice that's, that's broken off an exoplanet. Well, I've I've talked to Massimo, my husband, who is an astrophysicist, yes. and he's well he's well immersed in the UFO topic, so he understands it. 
But he is a scientist, first and foremost. He's a scientist. Yeah. And he said he's read AV's stuff. He understands the mathematics behind it, which is way beyond me. And mm -hmm. he said, you know what? AV has got something. And these other people, he's looking at what they're saying, and he's saying they're, they're literally jumping through hoops, trying to knit together different things to make sure that what they are presenting sounds like, oh, this is the rational, this is the right. And he's saying, no, when it comes down to the research and the numbers and, and, and that, he's leaning more towards what Avi is saying. Okay. Right, right. He wrote a, have, I think he wrote a review about it, too, about this a few months ago when he first read yes. it. Yeah. So no matter what the, what this was, okay, it really doesn't matter to yeah. me personally because it's the meaning and content behind it. So here you have a scientist. So just like Heineck, hmm. you know, or Valet in the past were coming out and saying, here is something, or Stan Friedman, here is something. And, and you have all these colleagues saying, oh, no, 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 no. And they're knitting something together that might as well be swamp gas. Yes. Nitrogen ice is the swamp gas of the 21st century. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> so that's the point. But I mean, we will never know what it was. Honestly, it's very unlikely because it's gone now. Yeah. But whatever Came it really was, fast. like a UFO sighting, like a UFO sighting, it predates our, our own because uh, he's saying it looks like a solar sail. We're almost ready to deploy solar sails. This is a technology within our imagination, mm -hmm. and we're on the verge of doing this. And really, what is the what is the point of the of of um, umuamua? Mama? <laughs> I never pronounce it right. I think it's umuamua, um, which is a um, umuamua. The point of umuamua to me word. is is to drive this future science and this future technology and saying here is here this is okay yeah. and it's ambiguous and it's it's you know but it is a catalyst for change yeah. it's a knot of that, meaning unstuck in time i think i would call it yeah based on what you're telling yeah. me and what i know about it yeah yeah or a, or, a, or a nexus of meaning unstuck in time exactly exactly so 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 there's so there's that. If anyone's interested in reading that, it's on my blog, um, which is I have a blog spot, but it's it's linked to from my main website, which is susandemeter.com. Okay. Did want, you hear that? No. Did it go ding? Yeah, it was the bread timer that just went ding. I think we just talked a half hour. Yeah, we did. I was I was watching the clock, which is why I said, hey, let's talk about Oumuamua for a second, because I knew we could wrap it up. <laughs> couple of minutes because of that um so excellent susan thank you so much i'm glad i'm um doing these short forms because i don't think i'm going to do any editing on this i'm going to throw it up um, absolutely in the next couple of days and you said um since the guest always gets to pick the music i sent you a song and you really liked it um i did yeah it's it, the witch yeah the witch by the rattles from their 1971 album the witch uh, yeah, psychedelic goth rock from yeah. way back when. It's, yeah. They were a German band, actually. I love them. Yeah. And we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Ciao, ciao. Thank you.